Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 61, recorded on April 23rd, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. All right, well, we'll start with market update and outlook, and then we'll get into the Bitcoin news. And then uh, we'll wrap it up. Lots of interesting stuff this week. And uh, if there was a unifying theme, I would say it's this is why we Bitcoin. So here we go. Uh, With the market update, stocks finished little change Friday and on the week as investors weighed the start of quarterly earnings reports and conflicting economic data to assess whether an economic slowdown is coming. The S&P 500 has been generally stable during the early stages of the first quarter earnings season that inspectors, the investors expect will show tepid results. Next week, we'll bring a flood of earnings, including from some of the mega cap companies, including Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet, whose shares have helped the S&P to rally so far this year for the week. The Dow Jones fell 0.3% to snap a four-week winning streak, while the S&P 500 slipped 0.1%, and the NASDAQ lost 0.4%. Okay, looking ahead, the earnings calendar is loaded next week with heavyweights reporting in every sector. All told, about 35% of the companies in the S&P 500 index will Bill numbers next week, some of the key reports include updates from Credit Suisse, Coca-Cola, Microsoft, Alphabet, Altria, and Amazon. While the earnings season is off to a relatively solid start, concerns over the impact of inflation, high interest rates, and a potential U.S. recession are still very much in the mix. Economic releases of note in the week ahead include consumer confidence and the new home sales on April 25th. Durable goods orders on April 26th and the closely watched employment cost index on April 28th. Federal Reserve members will be out on the speaking circuit on Monday before the blackout period begins in advance of the FOMC meeting on May 2nd and 3rd. On the political front, the House may vote on a bill that would raise the U.S. debt limit for about a year and cut federal spending. All right, and uh, jumping into the Bitcoin news, and like I said, um, the theme here is definitely, um, uh, you know, why we Bitcoin, why we want to have an alternative money, why we want to have something that's outside the system, and, uh, you know, is, you know, free of interference. uh, by uh, political parties, governments, central banks, that sort of thing. And so, um, uh, you know, I've probably uh, worn this one out a lot um, in terms of, uh, you know, the, uh, the benefits of Bitcoin and why it's important um, to hold in your portfolio, but, but you know, at least in my mind, it's um, it's becoming you know uh, really the go-to for 
where I hold, you know, the majority of my savings. And it's really kind of, for me, become like a um, savings account. Um, and, uh, you know, for example, if I have, you know, extra money come in, I sit there, I look at it, I go, well, what else do I want to invest in? And uh, at least lately, I haven't really been able to come up with anything um, besides Bitcoin. Uh, and then again, just a quick reminder about that, you know, um, it is absolutely scarce and there's really no commodity that we know of, even gold, you know, there's, you can still produce more gold and there's gold in the Earth's crust and there's also gold in space and asteroids and things of that nature. So here we have an absolutely scarce digital commodity with 21 million maximum coins at full issuance. Transfers are peer-to-peer -peer without intermediaries, so you can send value to anyone anywhere in the world with a computer and internet connection. Bitcoin network operates independently of all legacy financial systems. It's first digital global payments infrastructure. There's no counterparty risk when it's self-custodied, so you don't have to worry about anybody stealing your coins. It's trustless, and Bitcoin's not controlled by any person or group. And it's also a hedge against fiat currency debasement and collapse in the same way that gold is, but it doesn't have gold's drawbacks of difficulty to validate, store, transfer, and secure, especially in large amounts. And so I've harped on this over and over in my blog posts and, and on this podcast, but these are really important things to remember. And I think probably the people that have learned this lesson the most and most recently have been people in the global south people in hyperinflating countries like Argentina, um, Turkey, um, Lebanon, um, Venezuela. And, uh, and uh, this lesson could be coming soon to the Western countries, um, especially as we get into the news flow here. So um, ignorance is bliss. Um, people need to wake up and realize that uh, everything's not great and uh, and that, you know, fiat currencies follow a natural cycle. The dollar is going to be the best of the bunch for a while here longer, but um, like all fiat currencies, um, they eventually debase and then collapse. And so that's that's really what we're we're talking about here. So getting into the news. First article here is from Bitcoin News, titled, uh, oh, and by the way, I'll include links to all these news articles in the show notes in case you want to go through them uh, afterwards and uh, give them a read yourself. Treasury Secretary Yellen says U.S. government will take any steps necessary to preserve its financial dominance. Uh, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said while her country's financial system is still in good shape, the United States government is still prepared to take, quote, any necessary steps to ensure it remains the most dominant, the report has said. In her speech at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies, Yellen also touted the recent actions taken to shore up the financial system by U.S. authorities following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. The comments by Yellen can't come amidst a growing chorus for the adoption of an alternative reserve currency. 
As has been reported by Bitcoin.com News, several countries led by Russia and China are pursuing cross-border settlement methods that exclude the U.S. dollar. These countries accuse the United States government of weaponizing the greenback and using its overbearing influence on the global financial system to punish its enemies. I can't deny that that's not true. Uh, these accusations are well are these accusations as well as the ongoing um, attempts to de-dollarize have prompted economists to warn that the U.S. dollar may eventually lose its position as the most dominant currency in the world. Losing this status would would um, end the United States' ability to project its financial power globally. However, Yellen viewed that the U.S. government would take steps to ensure its financial system will be the strongest and safest in the world. The U.S. banking system remains sound, and we will take any necessary steps to ensure the United States continues to have the strongest and safest financial system in the world, Yellen reportedly said. Although she recently conceded <clears throat> that the weaponization of the U.S. dollar could potentially cause problems for her country, warned in her speech that the United States government will not hesitate to punish Chinese companies that violated sanctions on Russia. She added that her government will also impose sanctions on human rights abusers. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's ironic. Uh, so anyway, moving on to the next article. Um, global, uh, this is also from Bitcoin.com. Uh, and it's entitled Global Reserves Held in U.S. Dollars Fell to Less Than 50% Official States It Has Become a Toxic Currency. Central banks are beginning to diversify their reserves away from the U.S. dollar, a note issued by Horizon SLJ Asset Management on April 17th, revealed that the percentage of the reserves that central banks held in dollars hit 47% during 2022 falling sharply since 2021 when dollars represented 55%. Analysts from the firm explained that this decline is just one year in just one year is quote exceptional and marks an acceleration of the predicted erosion rate of the US dollar. The cause the report states has to do with the wide package of sanctions that the US government applied to Russia due to its involvement in the current Russia-Ukraine conflict freezing its gold and foreign currency assets abroad and putting several key companies on the designated entity list of the Office of Foreign Assets Control. The note explains these exceptional actions have made other countries less willing to hold their reserves in the form of U.S. dollars. Huh, surprise, surprise. This de-dollarization trend fueled by the so-called weaponization of sanctions by the government of the U.S. has global blocks like BRICS and ASEAN looking for alternatives to safely conduct trade amongst themselves. BRICS is currently studying an initiative for creating a common currency that will be discussed at the next BRICS summit to be held in South Africa. In the same way, ASEAN countries have called for reducing reliance on the dollar and the usage of national currencies for international settlements, fearing the application of secondary sanctions. On April 17th, Russian Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs Alexander Pankin criticized this weaponization, noting that more and more countries were increasing their gold holdings, that's true, while dropping their foreign currency reserves. He stated, these trends show that the U.S. dollar is becoming big, strong, but still t 
toxic for everyday operations. It's not a mainstream trend, but I believe it might become a trend. And then uh, moving on to the next article, um, and then this is uh, more on Russia. So Russia to, this one's entitled also from Bitcoin.com, Russia to work with digital currencies of other nations. The system underpinning the issuing and circulation of Russia's central bank digital currency may well work with the digital legal tenders of other nations, representatives of the Russian monetary policy regulator indicated this week. Speaking with Russian lawmakers, the central bank officials remarked that the matter still needs to be worked out, but emphasized that various models for interaction between the digital ruble and other CBDCs are currently being developed. The alternatives include establishing two-way integration with each of the other CBDC platforms or launching an international digital platform, which would facilitate the simultaneous interaction between the digital currencies of multiple issuers. The Central Bank of the Russian Federation remains opposed to the free circulation of decentralized cryptocurrencies in the country and does not plan to create a national crypto exchange, its representative said, quoted by the crypto news outlet Bits Media. However, considering the option to legalize international crypto settlements under experimental legal regimes, a special organization will be set up to facilitate the purchase and sale of cryptocurrencies between participants in such transactions. The CBR does not plan to issue a stablecoin pegged to the national fiat, according to the statements made during the meeting with members of the New People's Party. At the same time, the regulator is not against using this type of digital financial assets and cross-border payments or the trading of such coins through Russian exchanges. Pressed by Western sanctions over the war in Ukraine, Russia has been working to create alternative payment gateways with partnering nations, including Turkey, CBR Governor Elvira Nabiolina recently revealed. The top executive made it clear that the Russian central bank would also allow the experimental use of cryptocurrencies and foreign economic activities. So it's kind of interesting in Russia, they're looking at uh, encouraging cross-border um, transactions and in cryptocurrencies, um, including Bitcoin. I think they're also planning on mining Bitcoin, but again, they wanna only use it for international exchange and they wanna limit what they're people within the country can use to, um, uh, you know, the local currency, the ruble, or the central bank digital currency version of the ruble, much like China is doing with the with their yuan CBDC. And again, that's, that's to allow the state to have total control over what you buy, and to be able to, to see what you are doing, right? It's a it's all really ultimately about surveillance um, and uh, you know that's the big fear about central bank digital currencies bitcoin can still exist in an authoritarian regime as it as it does today um, and uh, you can transact in it you can save in it as long as you can still buy it <laughs> and and uh, uh, you know even if it's banned there's plenty of uh, black market, you know, um, and different ways that you can buy um, Bitcoin. You might be paying a huge premium for it, but you can get it in these countries and you can continue to save your money in, in it, uh, regardless of what the regime is, is trying to do. So, again, 
why we Bitcoin. Uh, next article also from Bitcoin.com. They're on a roll this week. They had a lot of interesting articles, I thought, when I went through the news. Uh, this one here is uh, Economist. I love Peter Schiff. I don't like Peter Schiff's position on Bitcoin, of course. I think I've talked about this before, but uh, he's pretty much on point with a lot of other things. So Economist Peter Schiff warns that, quote, the death blow is coming for U.S. dollar, U.S. dollar lose reserve currency status. Economist and gold bug Peter Schiff explained that a death blow is coming for the U.S. dollar as a global reserve currency in a recent interview with Commodity Culture, which he shared this week. Regarding whether de-dollarization is happening and whether it's a real threat to the U.S. dollar's global reserve currency status, Schiff said, the only thing that's surprising about the dollar's reserve status is that it still has it. <laughs> Despite everything that we've done, we still haven't lost that privilege. He elaborated, I think the current financial crisis, which just started, is going to ultimately deliver the death blow to that status. The Economist added, people are still reluctant to call it a financial crisis, but that's exactly what it is. Except it's bigger in scale, and it's going to be far more impactful than the 2008 crisis. He cautioned, it's probably going to result in even more aggressive and reckless monetary and fiscal policy. And this time, it's going to take the dollar's reserve status down with it. That's going to really complicate things here in the U.S. because it's going to send inflation much, much higher and American standards of living much lower, he opined. Responding to a question about whether the U.S. dollar is at risk of hyperinflation, Schiff detailed, There's always a risk. For every country that issues fiat currency, inflation is always a risk. The question is how high the probability, the economist continued. I think the risk is a lot higher now than it's ever been, and in order to avoid that outcome, it's, gonna, it's going to require some very difficult political decisions and choices that need to be made to avert that outcome. Schiff has consistently warned about an incoming financial crisis. Earlier this month, he advised people to get rid of their U.S. dollars now. Last month, he warned of the biggest economic disaster in U.S. history. Okay, and the next article, also from Bitcoin.com, um, I thought this was kind of interesting because, again, when you look at the, you know, other countries, Russia, China, the BRICS, ASEAN, looking for dollar alternatives, uh, and then you look inside the United States and, you know, uh, <laughs> states are looking for alternatives to a dollar. So that, you know, should also, uh, again... I'd be another signpost for people that uh, maybe everything's, you know, not that great. Uh, so this article here is entitled, Arkansas Makes Gold-Silver Legal Tender. 23 states involved in similar legislation to establish U.S. dollar alternatives. Now, when I read this headline, I was like, wow, that's almost half of the country. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Uh, so moving forward here into the article, uh, it says the state of Arkansas has moved to make gold and silver function as legal tender in its territories. The Arkansas Legal Tender Act signed into Arkansas, uh, signed by Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders on April 11th explicitly mentions that gold and silver specie, meaning any kind of bullion or coin containing these materials, can be used to pay for debts. 
The Act also specifies that specie or legal tender shall not be characterized as personal property for taxation or regulatory purposes, and that the purchase, sale, or exchange of any type or form of specie shall not give rise to any tax liability. Uh, well, that's pretty big. The law, which will enter into validity 90 days after its approval in the April 7th legislative session, makes Arkansas the fourth state to designate previously approved gold and silver coins as legal tender behind Wyoming, Oklahoma, and Utah. 23 states are currently developing regulations that will also allow their citizens to use gold and silver as legal tender. According to the 10th Amendment Center, a federalism advocacy organization, Michael Marahi, communications director for the 10th Amendment Center, believes this is an initiative to undermine the powers of the U.S. Federal Reserve, noting that states are nullifying the Fed on a state-by-state -state level. The theory behind this idea is that it is a multi-currency environment. The better currency will be the one that prevails. In this sense, constitutional tender expert Professor William Green explains, over time, as residents of the state use both Federal Reserve notes and silver and gold coins, the fact that the coins hold their value more than the Federal Reserve notes do will lead to a reverse Gresham's Law effect where good money, gold and silver coins, will drive out bad money. The debate of making gold and silver legal tender comes from way back with experts stating this possibility is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution which states that no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debt. Market analysts like Peter Schiff have predicted that the, a bull market for gold is coming, saying it will be spectacular. And I would agree, I think, as long as uh, this type of thing is moving forward, you know, that obviously is very bullish for gold and silver, which are hard money. But I do, as I've mentioned before, think Bitcoin is superior. Uh, in many, many ways. Um, but, you know, as an, someone that's pretty risk averse, I like to be diversified. So I own a little bit of gold and silver too. Uh, and I do think gold bugs and silver bugs uh, and Bitcoiners all have an awful lot in common uh, in terms of their uh, views of the world of sound money and things of that nature. So Now we have this other article here. This one is from Bitcoin uh, Magazine, and this was published on April 21st. And this is, and this I thought was uh, also interesting. North Carolina House introduces bill that would prohibit payment to the state in Bitcoin. Uh, so it goes on to say, the General Assembly of North Carolina has introduced a bill that would ban the usage of Bitcoin as payment to the state or state agencies. So this is a state that's kind of going in a different direction with respect to Bitcoin. Because uh, there are some states that are um, enacting uh, laws to basically guarantee Bitcoin mining can continue in the state, for example. Um, there hasn't been a lot on legal tender type stuff um, for Bitcoin lately, but... Anyway, uh, moving on, it says, according to a source familiar with the matter, the original intent of the introduction of the bill was to prevent the usage of CBDCs in the state. However, the wording in the bill encompasses cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin instead of CBDCs and appears to be a direct anti-Bitcoin and cryptocurrency usage bill. 
The bill, which carries the short title of No Cryptocurrency Payments to State and is sponsored by House Representatives Warren and Brody, provides two definitions. It defines cryptocurrency as uh, digital or virtual currency that relies on cryptography to affect transfers in a decentralized network to record transactions. And a state agency as any institution, bureau, board, commission, officer, or political subdivision of the state. The bill then proclaims that no state agency shall accept a payment using cryptocurrency and that the act is effective when it becomes law. Although short, the bill would be a step in the wrong direction for the state, which just recently saw other legislation pushed forward to halt Bitcoin mining operations in the county encompassing the city of Asheville. The source familiar with the matter stated that it is likely that this bill will be contested and that efforts to educate legislators will likely take place. So not all the states are on the same page, um, obviously, uh, with respect to uh, with respect to Bitcoin. Uh, and then there was some kind of big news last week. Uh, the EU um, passed a, a new law regulating uh, cryptocurrencies uh, um, called the Markets and Crypto Assets. Uh, or MICA for short. And then I came across this op-ed piece that I thought was kind of interesting um, that kind of interprets that a little bit. So uh, this was this article was from Coindesk and it was published on April 20th by uh, Daniel Kuhn. Why the EU has MICA and the US has securities law confusion. So jumping right into this, the European Parliament went ahead and did it. Today, after years of deliberations and at least two official delays, the landmark Markets in Crypto Assets Regulatory Framework was voted in. European Union legislators also passed a separate crypto-related rule known as the Transfer of Funds Regulation that imposes stronger surveillance and identification requirements for crypto operators, Coindesk Jack Schickler reported. The rules were described as a world first by the European Commission's May Reed McGuinness and also as an end of the Wild West era for crypto assets, according to Green Party lawmaker Ernest Ertesen. The laws which will be enforced at the state level still need to be officially approved by the supra-governmental body called the EU Council are just about cleared to take effect next year. The Council's approval is more of a formality at this point, considering it already approved the text of the law last year. For many, MICA represents a crucial step forward in the crypto industry. It's the first major attempt to provide a comprehensive set of rules for crypto companies so they know in advance what they can and cannot do and where their responsibilities lie if they want to operate in the 27 nation strong trading block. The European Union hopes it sets the global standard and in some sense is worried about MICA's effectiveness in the EU if similar rules are not adopted everywhere. Coindesk has written a number of overviews of the legal framework, but in short, MICA requires crypto firms like wallet providers and exchanges to be licensed by the EU and comply with money laundering and terrorism finance safeguards if they want to serve EU-based customers. And for those of you that uh, don't know, complying with money laundering and terrorist financial safeguards means they want to surveil uh, the money and make sure that they know who's paying who, when, and how much. And uh, it's 
really not about money laundering and terrorism because it really hasn't worked. But um, that's another, a whole other discussion. Some have balked at the reporting standards, which will undoubtedly weaken privacy. Ah, see, for crypto users in the name of customer safety and national security. So, you know, this is always going to be the trade-off, um, you know, your safety and security for your privacy. And we see that, I think, more and more today in not just in this area, but in a lot of other areas, too, in politics. But considering how regulatory uncertainty has damped the crypto industry's ability to grow over the past decade, that's been a recurring line from crypto lobbyists and advocates. The move brings some amount of welcome transparency and stability. Binance CEO Changpeng Zhao tweeted his support, calling MICA a pragmatic solution with which his exchange will comply. All this is in comparison to the other two massive crypto markets in U.S. and China. At least on paper, China has officially banned all crypto activity, but recent smoke signals suggest that freeze could thaw at least in a Hong Kong financial sandbox. The country has not been able to stamp out crypto trading or mining entirely, and legitimizing some portions of the industry could be a boon for those looking to return. Meanwhile, in the U.S., there seems to be a coordinated effort of elected representatives, unelected regulators, and overpaid policymakers, as well as the Federal Reserve and Biden administration to get crypto out of the wider economy. It seems to be part of what President Joe Biden has called a, quote, whole of government approach to dealing with crypto in an executive order at the beginning of 2022, before the worst excesses and calamities of the year came to light. There are still authorities in the U.S. working to legitimize and regulate crypto, even if some high-powered officials like Gary Gensler, chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, are opposed to writing new rules. According to Gensler, the financial rules already on the books are clear enough to cover the novel peculiarities of decentralized tech. Political infighting between those who want to give crypto time to find its legs and those who prefer kneecapping it has left the entire industry worse for wear. Right now, Ether, the second largest cryptocurrency by market cap and the native token of the Ethereum blockchain, is in a situation similar to Schrodinger's security stuck in a superposition of being both lawful and not, essentially because Gensler has said Ether may and may not have fallen afoul of the Howey test definition of a security. Such legal insecurity has led the chief executive of Coinbase, the largest U.S. crypto exchange, to say it may have to leave the country. You can say it's an empty threat considering Coinbase's business is built around extracting fees from U.S. customers, but Brian Armstrong is hardly alone. In all fairness, Gensler is calling for common-sense oversight of increasingly powerful financial rails, boil down what he wants for exchanges to register with the SEC and bulk up their customer identification systems, and I'm sure it's not too far off from the EU's new standards. Of course, the difference between the EU and the U.S. is that one took a whole-of-government approach to dealing with crypto, while the other merely says it will. Uh, so very interesting um, take on this i would tend to agree i think um uh on the one hand you need to have regulation in order for institutions and others to adopt but um you know on the anarchist side of the ledger um 
you don't really need anybody's permission to use Bitcoin, and and that's never going to change. Um, they can control on ramps and off ramps, make it hard for you to buy and sell Bitcoin into fiat currencies. But you know the world is a big place, and there's always going to be somebody that's going to be willing to help you, I guess, for a fee, of course. And that's why I think also it's important that you know as Bitcoin gets adopted that 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 we develop an ecosystem within Bitcoin and the Lightning Network and Noster to um, be able to transact directly, you know, uh, for goods and services in Bitcoin. Uh, now that does create tax issues for you if you live in the U.S. because every time you use Bitcoin to buy something, it technically creates a taxable event for you, which is why legal tender, such as like El Salvador, is great because you can go there and use your Bitcoin. It doesn't matter how much you bought it for or what the price is when you use it to buy something. It's not taxable. So uh, again, this is why we Bitcoin. And then uh, just a reminder, uh, I did post a new blog post this week. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's been a while since I did a housing update. I think the last one I did was back in December. So I went through the housing market again on a national U.S. level uh, uh, as of, well, whatever the latest data I could find as of April 2023. Um, so it's, I think it's kind of interesting. It's still, um, I think, expensive still slowing and uh, other than owning my own home, uh, which I think is important to fix your cost of occupancy, assuming you could afford the payment and you have a nice long-term low interest rate mortgage. Um, not really excited about investing in real estate. And I did talk a little bit in there about, uh, and I did a comparison between real estate and Bitcoin as uh, you know, sort of an alternative uh, you know, investment strategy. And uh, I don't know, I think Bitcoin wins. Certainly right now it does. Okay, well, that uh, about wraps it up for this week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. And uh, also, uh, you know, if you're listening to this, uh, you might want to switch to Fountain, uh, which is uh, what I listen on. And uh, you can earn Bitcoin just for listening. And you can also tip in Bitcoin if you like the content that you hear on the platform. So it's, it's pretty cool. I've been tipping some of my favorite shows, uh, you know, just a little, a few sats here and there. Anyway, that's it. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.